uh, welcome to the first XR Roundtable, The Future of Eyewear in Practice. It's not really round. <laughs> Uh, it is a table. So you guys make the round, okay? So we're going to leave a lot of times for Q&A at the end. Um, but yeah, we're in a line. Though a line through infinity is a circle, so. Okay. No geometry jokes? Okay, fine. <laughs> um, uh, I'd like to introduce a very distinguished panel uh, and thank them for coming. Um, and then we're going to dive into uh, just a conversation. We don't have any presentation slides, just your thoughts, our thoughts, our experience, your experience. We're going to have a conversation. Um, so, uh, Sky Conklin is head of product management for AR headsets at Niantic. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Woo. Uh, Nico Charles is uh, XR Partnerships and Product Innovation at Verizon. And Lisa Watts is CEO of 121 Immersive. I am Pablo Colapinto. I'm head of Immersive at Nexus Studios. Okay, so we're going to uh, dive in uh, on a bunch of different uh, types of ways of talking about AR glasses. Um, then the current uh, reality and the near-term goals and, you know, a little bit of distant future talk, but we're going to stay pretty local to where we are now. That's the in-practice part. Um, so I just want to open it up a little bit to the panel uh, to talk about uh, some uh, ways that uh, AR glasses and there's different terminology for that. We call it eyewear or headsets. We're talking, when, we're talking about, when I'm talking about AR glasses, I'm talking about you know, transparent ones, not necessarily pass-through uh, Quest headsets, but we can talk a little bit about how that might be a bridge to AR glasses. But I want to talk about <laughs> uh, some ways in which you guys are seeing uh, or using or have been thinking about recently um, use cases for these glasses, just to level set a little bit so that everyone... Oh, actually, I, I did promise to... Um, ask the audience a little bit about where you guys are coming from. So a uh, little bit of a straw poll here on um, who has, you know, used, uh, you know, a HoloLens or a Magic Leap or some, some sort of AR device. Great. <laughs> well done. Um, and then I would say who, who uses it regularly, maybe as part of your everyday practice, uh, for some research or, or you're developing yourself. Okay, cool. Um, who wants to be using it more regularly but doesn't? Okay, cool. That was a little weird. Yeah, I just made up that question. So, All right, so... Um, <laughs> I, I, I meant more the response. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. um, okay, so does that help everyone calibrate? Yeah, uh, and, and just one point of clarification, I think, we are going to be talking about uh, binocular, 3D, spatially aware uh, AR glasses, not monocular, not um, pass-through, pass which is uh, a lame interim step that's getting too much uh, hype, in my opinion. So if you're but only interested in pass-through, you about. can leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I'll open it up. Sky, would you want to start? Sure. So obviously where we're seeing the main applications today are in enterprise, but from Niantic's perspective, what we're most excited about is the form factor that's going to help unlock the ability for people to go outside and explore the world, socialize in real life, and really stay connected to that real world and each other while having these immersive AR experiences. And we're already using AR glasses in that way today and prototyping a lot of exciting content, um, and that's the future that we're hoping will be ubiquitous tomorrow. So you're doing, you say you're already using it today. You're, you're, yes. Uh, in, you know, in secret. Yes, well, now it's publicly available. If you want to uh, search for our reference device, you can see some demos of our content, both that we built on our uh, reference device, the actual hardware that we're building with Qualcomm, as well as some, some prototype that we're doing on the A3 headset, which is already commercially available. And we also announced that our visual positioning system will be available on all Spaces headsets, so any Lightship developer can start to deploy their uh, content on Lightship to headsets starting later this year. I'm going to probe a little more before I let Nico go. So, uh, can you? Are you guys looking at um, taking existing content and seeing how it ports over, or are you having to rethink uh, entire new, entirely new content for the headset? How are you? How are you guys beginning to study? Well, we certainly believe in cross-platform experiences, and that's part of why we're making VPS available on, on these platforms. But it's less about porting and more about thinking about how, for instance, the world of Pokemon could come to life in a much more immersive way on these devices. Like, think about your buddy walking with you on your commute down the street um, and having that similar experience that's perfect for the platform itself. So that Pokemon world will easily go with you from your mobile phone to your headset. We're also thinking about headset-first type of concepts like real-world pinball, where like you and your friends will set up real-world obstacles and, and slap a ball around and, and earn points. And those types of like very physical games or like AR fishing or flying uh, your uh, digital aircraft around the sky, these types of experiences that are really physical and interacting with the real world might not work as well if we thought about it as a mobile-first uh, experience. So we're really attacking it from both angles, and we think cross-platform is really the key to unlock more ubiquity amongst headsets because they're not going to just replace the mobile phone right away. They have to be used in concert together well. Okay, that's interesting. We're going to have a whole section about UX, and we'll come back to that interesting problem. Uh, Nico, you've been using uh, AR glasses in all sorts of ways, and you've seen it used in all sorts of ways. Can you talk a little bit about some of them? Yeah, but none of them are as exciting as slapping a ball in real-world <laughs> pinball. I'm, I'm like soaking that in. I want to do that now. That, that sounds to totally awesome. <laughs> um, uh, on, on my side of things, it's all enterprise, and it's all enterprise all the time. Uh, and, and whereas on the consumer side, we're all waiting for, for the technology to evolve for you know, thinner, lighter, less dorky, more powerful, more everything. On the enterprise side, we're there. We're, we're here now today because um, uh, you know, businesses don't care uh, how dorky you look with it on. They don't care if it you know, messes with your hair. They only care about ROI. Uh, so we're seeing success in um, companies adopting AR glasses where the, um, you know, all, all they want to know is, as an example, uh, is this going to increase efficiency by 5%? Uh, if it's 4.99%, we're not going to do it. If it's 5%, we are. 
so it's, it's very binary uh, and, and black and white in that way. Uh, so we're seeing adoption really in, in a whole bunch of uh, different areas, starting with the most obvious, uh, you know, training, simulation, so, so, some others, but uh, more broadly across the board. And that's in particularly in, in like in, in a warehouse environment or an outdoor environment construction site? Yeah, no, uh-huh. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, training is a horizontal. Um, within training, um, and, and I'm thinking more on the AR side about step-by-step procedural-based hard skills training. Um, that's, that, that applies to, to, to any, any industry, any sector. If you have a 10-step process that makes, step, makes sense to put in, uh, you know, geospatial instructions uh, located around a, a forklift truck or a circuit board or, uh, you know, a retail store display. Um, so training is a horizontal across all, all industries, but then um, there are others that are really beginning to um, uh, adopt uh, adopt the, the headsets and the technology more quickly. Healthcare uh, is a is a major example of that. And and on the spectrum of healthcare, you've got clinical on on one side, FDA regulated, uh, all the way through to sort of um, mindfulness and health and wellness uh, on on the other end. Cool. Thanks. That's a good level set. Lisa, what about you? I mean, when you have the contrast between the consumer experience and the uh, enterprise experience, you know, we always kind of look for where's the commonalities. And when we have, it, to me, it comes down to data. And, and we were just at Harvard the other day at the tech conference, and I, I, I mentioned this because um, it, at some point in time, no matter what the device is from a hardware perspective, and, and you know, I was at Intel for, for 25 years and just at a, a, a was it magically for, for, uh, for a time as well? So in, when you're thinking about the compute devices that we have or have access to, um, to Nico's point, it's not always necessarily about um, the affordability, it's about the usage. Like, what is it gonna be used for? And I find that the data, data is very inaccessible to everyone these days. And I, I don't know what, it's like petabytes of data every second get created, which is great for 5G networks, right? But there's lots of times they're just by, they're one directional. They go somewhere and we don't have, we can't get them out, we can't get that data and information out. Not only can we not get it out, even if we could get it out, we don't have the context that we need to put it into use in the real world, which is why VPS is so important in some of these other um, systems as far as localized information and context um, that are coming online are, are key, critical. So once you start to unlock that particular problem, the use cases associated with that start to expand. Because I think right now from an AR perspective, we always think about it as either it's gaming or it's something where I'm gonna put on somebody else's brain because I don't have the skill. But what about the fact that, uh, you know, you might say uh, from a doctor perspective, it's usually there's that offload, cognitive offload, so you're in a stress situation, you have the information that you need right there at your fingertips without having to think about getting to it. I think that's, those are the more advanced use cases that we really need to kind of get to. But to get to them, we've got to plug into existing data systems 
integrate them and bring them up to the forefront so that we can actually then apply them to different problems. So for me, if you say, hey, Lise, here's a bag of M&Ms, and then you throw it on my 2D screen and say, count them, you know, I'll probably use my mouse, I'm kind of going like this, right? But if I could just literally take that out of my screen and dump it on the table and quickly sort the M&Ms, if you think about using that for higher-end data sets um, and then starting to make connections between things, we're spatial creatures, right? So I think unlocking all that data and information, that's why I'm pretty excited about what AI is going to be able to bring to the table with helping us with that. But we have to think about that translation of 2D data to 3D data for us to get to where we need to go with the usefulness of these devices. And th thanks. That's actually a good segue to the sort of next um, line of questioning in a sense, uh, which is near, just near-term goals a little bit. Um, there's lots of different, you guys might have lots of different goals. Some of your goals might be, um, Nico, you might have an adopt, you might need, adoption might be something that you're actually trying to accelerate. Um, UX might be something that we're trying to figure out. Guy, I'm just curious to know what are some, can you articulate a little bit for the audience, a little bit of some near term, like next step goals for 2023 that you're hoping to drive with your teams in the field of, uh, of AR glasses, whether it's, whether it's adoption or UX or some other thing that I haven't mentioned. Sure, yeah, I can start. Um, probably the first thing that we wanna do is help our developers and our platform expand reach to headsets. So we're doing this both on our web AR platform with metaversal deployment and it just now we announced it uh, supports the Quest Pro as well as tens of other popular headset devices. And then as I mentioned, that visual positioning system will be compatible with all spaces headsets. So both of those things will help both web devs and Unity devs expand their reach to headsets and find more customers and start to hone their use cases. And then internally, we're gonna continue this thinking on our own content and evolve these prototypes and continue testing with our end users as that hardware uh, becomes closer to commercialization and as our titles become closer to productization because Really the key is finding product market fit and leveraging the voice of our players who are XR enthusiasts, Pigo enthusiasts, Ingress enthusiasts to help us design the right device for them. Um, so those are really the three things that we're focusing on in terms of platform content and the device itself. Do you see the tools specifically changing in a clear way? I know that you guys really focus a lot on dev tools. Are there particular Yes, we embrace specifically open standards, so we're big behind OpenXR. We're also members of the W3C committee, helping to refine and define those open web standards. That's really how we're helping to join hands with the broader community and try to push forward this ecosystem that we all want to see. And these common tool sets that'll just make it easier to expand the reach of your content and make it shine across platforms. Can, can I ask the audience a question? Um, you may. How, how many of you um, are, who's excited about AR glasses? Okay, what is wrong with all of you who did not raise your hands? <laughs> uh, seriously, you're, you're, you're mistaken, you're uneducated, you're, um, why are you here? I, I don't get it. Um, and I am going to answer your question. I am so excited about AR glasses, both what is possible today and what is coming. Uh, 
and and I'm uh, I, I don't really know much about the consumer side, so this this is coming from an enterprise perspective. But there's so many things that we are just starting to scratch the surface of in terms of possibility, and we're beginning in use cases and in situations that are are either like thought about or conceived in 2D and and or existing situations where we're trying to make things just a little bit better, a little faster, a little easier, a little cheaper. But there are there's so many that are coming in different fields that are transformative to the industries that they're in. Um, and and the same way in, in many of the other talks and discussions here, because this is South by everyone continues to be so excited about you know, XR and AI as tools for storytelling and art and filmmaking and music, um, those same core technologies are transforming business in the enterprise space. So, two examples. Um, what, what is Nico talking about? This is, this is why I'm so excited. Um, how many of you have had your blood drawn? <laughs> Come on, more. All right. So. Um, if you've ever had your blood drawn and the nurse or doctor miss, um, not the most enjoyable of experiences, um, AR will eliminate that, at least 99%, because it isn't going to be long before you have a patient-specific, subsurface 3D model of your veins and capillaries and arteries and everything, so somebody, a, a doctor or nurse or health practitioner wearing AR glasses, knows exactly where uh, to, to stick a needle in you. Um, and, and they don't have to guess or they don't have to feel for it. Uh, and, and with my sister being a nurse practitioner, and when she went through the learning process, I can tell you that's no fun um, uh, being on the receiving end. So, so you know, that, that is going to transform how blood is drawn. Um, and that, I mean, that's, that's a simple thing, and it's a gargantuan thing. Well, one more example. Um, how we train uh, in, in AR, uh, because it will be contextual to your surroundings and, and to the space around you, uh, is going to have a profound impact on a number of professions. Uh, so one, one example that, that Lisa, you're familiar with, um, training first responders. Um, so today, first responders, so think you know, police or security or, or SWAT teams, uh, the way they train to do something like make a school safe when there's an active shooter uh, on the grounds, the way they train for that is a, is a large police department will rent a warehouse somewhere They'll hire actors, hair and makeup, and they'll stage everything. They'll fly the, the police officers to that location, and they'll run through you know, blocking scenarios and, and for, for a day or two. Very complicated, very expensive, you know, and, and they'll have hair and makeup and craft services and, and, and all that. Um, and only the big police departments can afford that. Uh, the the medium-sized ones and the small ones couldn't. Uvalde, for example, could not. But now, in AR, uh, there are companies that can take a 3D map, 3D scan, and, and even, even take a uh, Google Street View map and turn that into uh, a 3D map. 
Um, and and uh, you can create a, a training, an indoors training mapped to your neighborhood specific elementary, middle, or high school, place uh, AI-driven digital personas, digital people, assailants, bystanders, students, faculty, staff, and create those situations where uh, a police officer, uh, a SWAT team, with Bluetooth-equipped air pistols, tasers, uh, or batons with, with haptic feedback, can go in and train. And they, they can train, and, and a, you know, a, a shooter can walk around the corner of your school, can, can come up the, the stairs or, or down the hallway of you know, your, your kid's uh, uh, middle school. So they're actually training, developing muscle memory for a specific location. And they can do that anywhere there's a sufficient amount of space for them to do it. And they can do it as many times as, as, you know, as, as they want to in a day, in, in two days. Uh, and, and we all, I mean, there are all the stats out there around uh, experiential learning and knowledge retention and learning faster and, and, and all of that. That is going to transform um, uh, first responder training. Uh, not, not make it better, but just like completely change it. That's what AR glasses are, are, can do today and, and will do even more tomorrow. Is it fair to say, Nico, and just to, to, it's an interesting response to my question. So is it, do you think that one of your main goals is to communicate to yes. the world, evangelize a little bit Sorry. what we're talking about? I didn't say I was going to answer your question. So the goal beyond selling 5G and adopting more 5G, which is, is, is that's my goal, um, is education. Uh, um, letting, making sure that people know what is possible and what is, what, what is formally thought of as impossible or science fiction is actually accessible today. You can do that in 2023. <laughs> Working on <laughs> Lisa, what about you? Um, it's been interesting to have been in and out of hardware, hardware companies, you know, both big and small, and have spent, you know, a lot of time helping software developers take advantage of that hardware. So one of the, one of the goals, you know, we have for 2023 is really to lean in and, and help um, a lot of these t smaller teams that actually a lot of them have brilliant engineers that have been at big companies. I think we're going to see a, a huge wave of innovation of startups, especially with a lot of the layoffs that have been happening at, at some of the bigger, bigger companies. These folks that are now heading out into the wild, wild west, it's, it's a scary time for them, but they're all brilliant. They all have such great experience. But what they don't really know is the breadth of the ecosystem that's out there like who they should be partnering with. Mm -hmm. And I think they take models like an Apple, for example, which is you know, one of the pinnacles of success in tech, but they've had years to integrate things from top to bottom. And that model is for them. They, there's really, everybody else kind of needs to take a different approach. And so I think the main, the main thing, our goal is, is for 2023, is to really lean in and help those teams find out what they don't know, meet who they don't know. You can get your MVP to market faster if you, you, know, you take your core of an idea and you start to marry it with other people's ideas and start to bring together more of a consortium instead of trying to just kind of push it all by yourself. Many of these teams have brilliant technical resources, but they don't have product people. Or maybe they've got 
product people and they don't really know how to do the go-to-market side. And immersive is very specific, right? You just can't take anybody out of the pool and just throw them at it and, and ha expect them if they've never marketed it before. It's, it's a very specific thing. Now, it won't be very specific forever, but it still is now. And so to Nico's point, you know, in the education, you know, what you're talking about, you know, educating people on what it is, that is, I think, very key. But I think it's also time for the communities to start working together to start to mix and match what they are, you know, good at. And I think Niantic, for example, just made a great strategic decision in that direction. You know, that's at that level. But all of us at the, at the startup level, there's some amazing projects, some amazing ideas. Um, that we don't even know about. So from a technology perspective, I think it's very important that we explain what it is and what it can do specifically without kind of polluting the pool too much about all of the use cases because I think then it's sometimes we, we minimize people's creativity. So for us, it's a 2023 priority is to bring teams together that may not know about each other and help them accelerate their path to market um, through partnerships and um, through... Uh, more creativity with more minds. That's great, I, and I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the nuts and bolts and hardware and what the devices can do and what they will be able to do so that we're all a base. But just right before we get into that though, um, you mentioned partnerships and it's a question that I've posed before. Um, what are, um, are there, it's kind of an impossible question, but are there, <laughs> sorry, no worries. Um, what, what partnerships aren't happening that need to be happening? And in terms of like, are you you're kind of describing an archipelago of startups, you know, in yeah. a sense, right? Where that you have some sort of, um, you know, godfather, godmother figure helping orchestrate the different relationships, whether it's a consortium or um, uh, whether it's a telco that says, you know, we'll do it, or, or something, or or a consortium of telcos. But what is um, who isn't working with whom? It's um, a question for everybody, by the way. Yeah, I, I will. I will say something that I that concerns me with a lot of the startups that we're working with is the um, we're not we're still thinking. A lot of them are still thinking that they're agencies, meaning their way they make their money is in the repetition of the client coming back to them for doing more work where they need to really start moving up the stack and turning themselves more into platforms that then can enable their, you know, people that are putting content, you know, so, that, so it's not such a, a, a lift. Modular, they, modular platforms. Yes, more modular platforms. And to do that, I think, um, you know, it's an easy thing to say. It's like, I'm going to build this in, on, you know, I'm going to gamify something or I'm going to build something on Game Engine and so we're going to activate something for some big brand and then they have to come back to you to get more work done and that's kind of your, you kind of do a consultative or production type of model. Instead of thinking of these things as applications and infrastructure and then tying it into existing infrastructure because especially in the enterprise space, you know, if you want to go sell your tool to someone, if you, you need to have some awareness of what tools they already have. Many of these uh, big companies have 30, 40 years of investment in their IT ecosystems, and you're coming in saying, well, just use this other thing. Well, it doesn't connect to your internet. You have to punch all kinds of holes in the firewall. You, it doesn't connect to your messaging system. Uh, you know, and, and so, so you're asking an IT manager to do a whole new job just to integrate your thing. And they're like, the ROI just like tanks 
and then it's an expensive thing. It's all this proprietary stuff, right? And that's because there's just not an awareness of what is already out there and where, where the priority should be to plug things in to make it frictionless. Friction is way too high, and we're making our money off the back of, of uh, selling it over and over again. So I think that's, the, that's something that we have to do better as an industry. Think about being platformizing things, and then, of course, you can make a, a tiered system, and, yeah, you could get into the bespoke stuff later or up at the higher end if that makes sense. But you got to think about scale from a business perspective. You can't scale off the back of people and when you just get into that repetitious production cycle with this kind of content that's bespoke every time, you're going to, you know, eventually you're not going to have a client and then, you, then you're done. Okay. Um, I want to move on, unfortunately, but I, I think that that's an important uh, thing to remember. Maybe we can even segue that into the next conversation a little bit about hardware and infrastructure because that's kind of where you're coming at it from, from an infrastructure perspective. So Sky, back to you for a second. Um, that's almost, it's almost a challenge for Niantic a little bit, right? To, to, to take some stuff, to pull some stuff out um, that is, and I, I won't totally, you can bring that back to leadership. We won't put you on this one now. But, um, um, what are some, let's talk, just talk about hardware challenges a little bit that you're seeing in terms of, you guys want to make an outdoor, um, uh, de uh, devices that work outdoors that can be, so um, that's a, and you, you have a very specific um, niche that's like gaming community and outdoor use, right? Um, so uh, let's use that as a way to kind of enter our conversation about hardware needs for that and like what, what are some things that, I know you guys have a reference design, what was that trying to solve? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we know that there's a ton of challenges when you take headsets outside in terms of having that bright, wide field of view that you can use in all times of day, looking stylish enough, portable enough to throw in your backpack, resilient enough to take care of light rain and snow and be beat up. Um, these are hard challenges and of course it has to be affordable, right? It has to be at the right price point for that ROI for you as a consumer. Um, and we've, you know, tackled some of these challenges head first in partnership with Qualcomm. But we're not a hardware company. You know, we are still a software content and AR platform company, and that's where we want to continue to lead. So on your point of partnerships, we want to see so many commercialization partners take our reference device and put together a suite of devices at all sorts of price points for all sorts of consumers to go outside and play. And so then the real challenge that we're honing in on is from that platform perspective, how do we make this cross-platform promise real? We're just at the tip of the iceberg there with OpenXR and with W3C, how can we make that promise real at this next computing revolution and learn from what we saw in mobile and give consumers more freedom of choice? Those are the challenges that we're really facing head first and also most excited about um, solving. I, I'd just like to state for the record that 5G is outside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Verizon has been a longtime partner of Pokemon Go. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Um, so... Um, what are what are you looking? What do you need from still talking to you? Uh, still, sorry, what what do you need from the hardware manufacturers? Like, what, what are you what are you what 
Yeah, we want all of the great consumer product hardware manufacturers to come commercialize this reference device with us, right? We want their expertise and their, you know, their, uh, you know, sense of, of high quality hardware product to marry with our high quality platform and our high quality content. And that's just the beginning of the partnerships that we know are necessary to make devices like this successful. Like Lisa alluded to, like there's a huge opportunity for so many small independent businesses to monetize and make real revenue on these devices and become the next tech giant and we want to support all small businesses like us that share our vision of this future of outdoor consumer gaming and outdoor consumer entertainment and help us make it a reality I mean I've been inspired by even some of the content creators I saw here that would be awesome partners um, on this journey uh, so it's really just the beginning and the opportunities are endless one of the key I know one of the key uh, technologies that you are um, working on is the map, right? Yes. So can you just uh, talk a little bit about why that's so important um, and why that's sort of a, everything's kind of branching out from that a little bit in terms of what you guys are hoping to, to deposit into the developer's toolkit? Yeah, sure. So I think that the promise of this device is the level of immersion that you get and while staying connected to the real world. So in order to enable those types of experiences, our platform has really two key value propositions. One is the centimeter level precision that you get with our virtual visual positioning system in areas that people are most likely to play. So these pedestrian accessible areas that are the most fun places to just explore, socialize, and exercise. Those hidden murals in your, in your neighborhood, um, those cool fountains or historical plaques, that's where we're getting people outside to play and that's where we build our map at centimeter level precision. So if you want to render content there, it's very realistically placed. And then the second aspect of that is the contextual awareness. So semantics, like is this grass, is this water, is this a table, is this, uh, what object is this, what material is it? So that enables things like the Pokemon swimming in real water or digging in real dirt um, and those are the types of experiences that we want to enable with our platform and make it easier for all developers to basically render content in, in realistic, contextual ways and persist it there for any customer to consume, whether it's on mobile or uh, glasses of the future. Nico, you mentioned to me before um, some um, challenges that... Uh, enterprise, the challenges in hardware that working with enterprises is, has been forced to solve. Like, for instance, the ruggedness of a device, the fact that they can actually, um, they need to function, they need to have a long battery life. Can you talk a little bit about some of the hardware um, challenges that your uh, explorations have, been, you know, being forcing manufacturers to solve? Sure, sure. A um, couple things on that front. One, one is... Uh, uh, certifications um, and and um, what am I trying to say? Um, it, in order uh, in order for a <clears throat> a device, any kind of device, uh, to be used in an operating room, for example, or even just carried into an app, uh, an operating room, um, it needs class two medical device certification from the FDA. Um, Today, the only AR glass uh, that is class two certified by the FDA is the HoloLens 2, uh, which was a great device three years ago. 
um, but it's a little long in the tooth today. And if any of our customers are, are looking for you know, an enterprise-grade device, we generally steer them towards the, the Magic Leap 2. That is not um, Class 2 certified yet. Um, there are other uh, certifications that it does have that I'm sure Lisa could, could talk about. But uh, you know, for that purpose, we can't use it. So it's frustrating. There's, there's a superior device uh, that would result in better patient outcomes uh, if used in the operating room, but that that certification product process or regulation process um, has has not been accomplished yet. Um, I, I give that example because that's common throughout the enterprise landscape. Uh, IT departments wield uh, great power, <laughs> um, and and they often just won't consider a device uh, unless it's been, whether it's government certified or their own company certified. Uh, we do a lot with with DoD and <clears throat> and and military um, entities, and they often have their own certification processes. So it's just you know, it, it's there are different boxes that you need to check in in the enterprise space. The other thing I throw out is that we often think about AR glasses as a single homo homogenous thing, um, and particularly with the the you know maybe imminent, maybe not, arrival of the, the Apple uh, HMD. Um, we, we, you know, we, we think about one flavor. And, and the HoloLens is a good example of, uh, and, and even Magic Leap, uh, you know, fully contained, all-in-one, does everything. Um, all kinds of capabilities packed into this thing on your head. But we're also uh, beginning to see the, the sort of birth of purpose-built devices. Uh, where it's, it's an AR glass made for one thing or one situation. So maybe you want something thin and light that's you know, closer to this, but, but is essentially like an Apple Watch on your face. Um, or maybe you want, uh, like, like the, uh, um, the HTC uh, uh, Elite, I, I think is, is their latest, has hot swappable batteries. You know, for, for enterprise, you know, an eight-hour shift, a 12-hour shift, if, if you're, uh, you know, out in a remote location, that can be the most important thing. So maybe it doesn't need to do as much and doesn't have all that uh, heavy CPU and GPU compute running on it, but its function can last for 12 hours. You'll see a 12-hour, uh, you know, AR glass, maybe with a hot swappable pack on it. So they're going to take different forms, and it isn't all one thing. It is more that on the consumer side, but less so uh, in, in, in enterprise. So those, those permutations and those uh, barriers or challenges that, that, that exist today are, are, are real, but, but surmountable. Mm, I'm going to ask sort of a wrap-up question, and then we're going to open it up so that we leave some time. There's 20 minutes left for questions. So start thinking about your questions, um, which is um, <clears throat> what is where is this going? How is this going to take off really for consumers? You know, I, I, what is you guys have been hinting at different things. Okay, there needs to be a, a, a more a more open infrastructure for developers to build upon to make new content for. There's form factors issues. Sure, that's all hardware stuff. We can solve that. Um, then there's this sort of like what would make you wear glasses at home? 
question that we always ask ourselves in the business, right? Uh, and we always kind of stammer through that because we don't always, it's not always very obvious what we would put on glasses for at home necessarily. There's always the same typical examples like cooking or language learning or, um, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe there's remote, uh, you know, maybe my brother can be in my room. Uh, that would be great, although I just want to be able to hear him, you know. Um, so what, what is, what, how is this going to take off? When am I going to see people on the corner using, um, using, you know, Niantic reference design headsets like chasing a ball or playing ping pong? What's the catalyst going to be? Okay, I... Uh, I should, I, should I stop asking sorry. the same question? Let, let, let the enterprise is going to answer the consumer question, the enterprise guy. Um, I think that it isn't, apologies, I don't think it's games, I don't think it's entertainment, I think it's practicality. Um, you know, when, when AR glasses can help make my day-to-day -day menial tasks easier or, or make them go away, uh, I, I, I don't really know what I mean by this, but, but what if AR glasses could somehow make the process of doing laundry simpler or easier. Or, okay, here's one. This, this is a real one. Um, my, <laughs> Sorry. My, That's my, my wife and daughter are the proverbial crazy cat people. We have too many cats in our house. I don't really like cats. I'm a dog person. When a dog... Um, does his or her business in the house, um, you know it. <laughs> uh, you know where, you know, you know where it is, you know what it is, you go and clean it up. When a cat pees somewhere in your house, you don't often know where it is, but you can smell it. I would love it if AR glasses could somehow detect that so I didn't have to sniff the sofa and try and figure out where did these stupid cats that I don't have that much love for. Cat, cat sniff actually, R, cat sniff R. Yeah, cat sniff R, thank you. Um, but, but menial, okay, maybe not the most tasteful example. Menial tasks that we all have to go through every day, you know, laundry, getting your kids to clean the room, emptying the dishwasher, vacuuming, whatever. Um, when, when AR can help uh, with those tasks, then we'll all, that, that's mass market. That's, that's, you know, huge adoption. Entertainment, games, uh, other things, that, that'll, that'll come. But everyone wants their day to be easier and simpler. So I actually agree that the first glasses we'll see are those small field of view, very utility focused glasses that are going to just deliver on this very simple promise of it's silly that we have to crane our neck down all the time and look at our phones, right? I think we're going to be looking back at the world and be like, wow, I spent so much of my time just like this in my life. Um, but we're unique because we have tens of millions of XR enthusiasts who are playing our games outside and the mobile device is just not good for these use cases. They are demanding a better device. So we're working back from this killer use case, this new chapter of gaming and this new genre of entertainment. It's not even just games really. Like we, are com we come from a place where we built you know, field trip and a lot of like map focused products and campfire with social. We're announcing
crunching truffle at, at South by Southwest. There's tons of different use cases that enable people to get outside and explore. And we're just building that device with our partners to unlock the promise that mobile devices just can't deliver due to the fatigue and looking through the window of your mobile phone at an AR world just it doesn't feel like it delivers on that level of immersion that is possible with this kind of form factor. Truffle? Yeah, truffle. Yeah, it helps you, like, basically you can, uh, <laughs> as a consumer, you can find cool places, like, all around Austin, create that kind of guided list for people, and then get followers that can, you know, follow your experiences out in the world. So you can be kind of like a tastemaker for fun things to do at South by Southwest. Awesome. A truffle, a truffle insert, a truffle in influencer. I heard there was someone with 2,000 followers already. <laughs> we, we can all be pigs. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I um, want to open it up to thank you, everyone. We don't have to applaud yet. Um, but I, I do want to open it up for questions. If you want to ask a question, can you please come up to the microphone so that you'll be broadcast uh, to the world? Um, and uh, if you don't, then I will continue to ask my rigorous, robust line of questioning. Oh, hello. Hi there. Um, thank you so much for this talk. Um, I want to hear some of your guys' like fighting with AR headset like horror stories. Like, uh, you know, fighting with the small field of view, like the headset in general, and how you're overcoming those challenges in your design or just like strategizing within your business. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, one of the things that Magic Leap did that I think was really important from Magic Leap 1 to Magic Leap 2 was really to open up the platform and go more standard for, with the Android operating system. I think the first round of headsets in general, you know, people were trying to play with the user experience um, and making some of those, some of the decisions that they made were, made it difficult for developers. So in, that, in those cases, those are, those are some of the nightmares, right? When you're trying to develop content, maybe you want content to go more cross-platform. You've got to go mobile phone to, uh, you know, you want to have it be AR when you're there and VR when you're not. That seamlessness is, is still very, very challenging, right? Then there's going to be, again, the, um, the cost factor for people. Well, in the mobile phone space, those mobile phones, if you were to buy it off the open market without putting it on your plan, you know, they're $1,800 sometimes more. Well, people don't see that cost because they pay it on a monthly basis as part of their other, um, you know, transactions. And in, in a lot of cases, um, you might have another headset which has got a very strong app store. That big manufacturer has the opportunity to kind of wrap dollar bills around the, the product because they're going to make it up on the back end from the developer community on the apps. So these are all, you know, from, from I think it's more ecosystem barriers sorts of things uh, that, that, from my opinion, uh, are, are, you know, despite battery life or, you know, f field of view and all of those other things, you know, I think developers are super smart and can work with some of those things, but, you know, it's really hard to scale when you can't, you know, connect your, your application and your device um, to, to more things. Yes, yeah, so I have a better answer. You really want to hear our horror stories of <laughs> AR glass? Okay, this this is briefly. Are you use the example? Of it? Can I? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's pretty funny, actually. Th this is this is a combination of a problem with the glasses and a problem with the user, um, and I'll leave it to you to decide which who is more responsible. But 
I had a, um, uh, a brand new um, uh, air glass, which will remain unnamed, um, but it rhymes with schmagic feep. <laughs> um, and uh, had an, an application that we were running on it, and it was, it was trying to um, you know, map the surroundings, uh, uh, you know, scan everything, and it just wasn't working. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm an XR guy. I should know how to do these things. I'm not a developer, but I've had some experience in this space. Did everything could think of and then called up tech support. Uh, they walked me through about a thousand different things. Called up the application pro, uh, uh, developer. They, they walked us through a whole bunch of things. Um, long story short, the, the um, <laughs> called Lisa, who, who eventually um, solved the problem by sending a person to come and pick it up and walk me through it. But, uh, what happened is on the, the device, which was new, out of box, and I had been using it, uh, there was a sticker, a, a transparent sticker, over the forward-facing camera um, that I hadn't seen, and it just had like a tiny little, you know, thing on, piece of tape on the end of it. Uh, I'd taken all the other stickers off on the whole device, but that was, that was about three days. <laughs> That's a comedy, not a horror story. <laughs> I mean, this is something that designers need to think about, right? When you're, when you're delivering a device and taking it out of the box, there's these very simple, these very, very simple things that, you know, I don't know how many times I've like had a piece of electronics and, you know, I've probably had it for I don't know how long, and all of a sudden you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, there's still a sticker on it, right? So, but when you have a time of flight camera, right, that is trying, is so sensitive to the world, these things are tuned to the nth degree so that they're accurate, right? Um, just having a, a bit of dust or film or any of those sorts of things, this is why Niantic is you know, very much focused on how do we ruggedize these things and, and take them outdoors, et cetera. They, they, the sensitivity, you have, to, you have to understand what we're trying to do in this space is replicate human perception. Humans are finely tuned creatures, right? So, and when you try to, to put that on a human and then you try to replicate that and provide that extra sensory pieces to people, you know, it's difficult. And so one little tiny thing can really just throw off the whole, um, you know, sensor stack. And it's, it's gonna be like that for a while. We have 10 minutes. Yeah, thanks, Thank for, you guys your, so thanks much. for your question. A lot of emotions up here about it. <laughs> um, we're gonna, you try to squeeze the rest of the questions in, go ahead. I'll, I'll try to make it fast then. So uh, I said the last few years getting absolutely non-tech, non-3D creators to start making their first XRs. Uh, we did it at Yahoo, it scaled really, really well. We had millions of audience that were engaging routinely because we were putting out like five pieces a week. But to your point, partly because we, we platformized, productized the actual development side. Well, it was finished, you didn't need to know anything else, you just need to tell a good story, and it worked. And I think that's a big part of, if we're gonna have headsets that we all actually leave home with every day, and not just leave them at home like I had my original Palm Pilot and didn't take my smart device with me until YouTube was on that thing, uh, what are the initiatives that you guys are trying to do to make sure that creating for XR does not require a game development degree or a 3D art background? It's a good question for Niantic. 
Yeah, I think there's certainly a future where you're going to be wearing these headsets and you and any consumer can place any AR object in any place around the world and persist it for other people to find. Like, that will be the new social media. And there will be creators, just like you see on TikTok, creating in the real world as their canvas. But we have to start somewhere, and that's why we're starting with web AR, which mm -hmm. is very accessible for any web developer, really, as well as the Unity development. But you can see over time that bar is just going to get lower and lower. It's just a matter of when and prioritizing that. And for us as a startup, this is another area where, you know, if you feel like your platform has unlocked that, maybe there's an opportunity for partnership here to accelerate lowering that bar, right? Um, so you have some matter priorities. Yeah, I mean, I mean what, what they're doing with, with Lightship, what Qualcomm is doing with Spaces, uh, and, and, and there are other similar movements. Um, that's not quite at the level that you're talking about, WYSIWYG, drag, drag and drop, no code development, but, but those are the building blocks to get there. Mm -hmm. so, so the industry is moving that way, and I, I mean, I don't know when we'll, we'll be at, at the, time, the place, time and place that you're talking about, but, but the industry is most definitely heading yeah. in that direction. Spark is going to enable that as well, <laughs> and Apple's reality kit, and all of those things. And I've seen a, a pretty interesting um, application out of the UK for teachers where it's basically, an, you know, where they're creating platforms to ingest content and then you're just kind of editing on top of that. I still think like the PowerPoint 3D object hasn't, I think I, I know where they were going with that. We, we really haven't seen the full instantiation of what those can be, but it's, it, it does, to your, to your point, need to be like Blipper or one of these other places. It's just got to get easier, much more, you know, um, much more accessible from a 3D um, integration point of view into into everything, and that's why I said earlier, it's really about converting 2D data to 3D data and having the tools and the platforms to make that make that real. Should be as easy as creating a spreadsheet that you can do today. Thank you. I also think there's a lot of onus on Niantic to find the fun first and then platformatize that because I've also seen just a ton of WYSIWYG AR apps that exist in the mobile store today, and I think part of the problem is like actually finding the fun that, and then uh, making that accessible to more consumers to replicate in a way that's a lot less time consuming. Because if you're dragging and dropping objects that aren't fun and aren't engaging, it falls flat really easily. It does, yeah. Yeah, some products that have adoption barriers have ended up bundling with other products that end up, you know, just very natural penetration in the market and conform to, be, you know, consumer behaviors. So in, in light of the adoption barriers, do any of your product roadmaps or even the advanced R&D um, have a vision of some sort that when I purchase my next pair of glasses, that somehow I'm automatically buying what you uh, want to put into the marketplace? Uh, I'm, gonna mention, I'm gonna just say something relative to, that's very smart, yes. Um, I think in the wearable fashion space, you're going to continue to see, uh, when I was at Intel, Intel kind of ran out in front with a lot of that sort of idea of embedding those things into, into everyday um, things that you're wearing, et cetera. I think the challenge uh, will be uh, really in the science category. We have to, silicon needs to get more smaller and more powerful and cheaper. Right, and these things are physics and chemistry issues, right? So I think it's, it's, we are probably still, in my estimation, you know, five, probably 10 years out from having 
the, the actual physical electronics uh, that need to go into these things, you know, to that, to the point where, my, where I'm just going to buy my glasses. And that makes complete sense. That's where we, we do need to, to go. And I, I think we're going to see the first of that in the automotive space. Um, where we're going to see heads-up displays inside of cars, because that just, you know, is a transition from, you know, some of these other, uh, like, airplanes and whatever that we've seen. When, when AR glasses are ubiquitous, I, and I don't know if this is where your question was going, but I can guarantee you that, that Verizon will be happy to sell you a data plan to go along with it um, and give you access to an AR app store to download whatever AR apps you want running on your glasses on, you know, 5, 6, or 7G. So, <laughs> he's like, I'm not sure that answered my question, but okay. <laughs> Hi, I wanted to ask about um, kind of bridging where we are today uh, to kind of this idea of these glasses existing. Um, as as kind of a, I help run a XR dev agency, and Lisa, you mentioned that's the trap that a lot of smaller companies are falling into, which I can completely validate. Um, the the question is, you know, what is the bridge? What is the business model that a, like studios now or smaller companies can start adopting? There's the partnership idea, combining technologies. But like, what are some examples of things you've seen be really effective as kind of a strategy today? I mean, I really think it's you know getting someone who really understands infrastructure on board more sooner than later because it's it's you got you got to really these things need to become applications and, and solutions that plug into other things. It's all nice and tidy to just have it all in your own house, but that just doesn't scale. So I think the first, first and foremost is understanding you know, where, where you want to go, how you want to um, architect it in such a way so that it's not just such an overhead every single time. And part of that's going to understand what market you're going to be wanting to sell into, what pieces are, it, you know, it's in any business, it, it, even in creative, right? A movie studio even has things that they, it's just, just a repetitious thing that they always do. So just think about those things as you build your systems. What are you doing over and over again? Those are the areas where you should focus on productizing. And then can you, when you look at those things, say, okay, what does that do? How could I get that out into the marketplace? And is there something, is there some other place I can start to plug in? And then it's going to be opening it up to developers. That, so it, making it easy for other people to actually leverage those core things that you're doing. You're always going to be the one that's going to leverage it the best. So like Niantic is doing, they're, just like, they're focusing on their own content, but they're trying to make it easy for developers to take what they know and do. And also, you have to get a community around it, right? That's the whole thing. And you, we, you know, I'm here with the, with the, the Shiba Inu um, Shib the Metaverse project with, uh, that Marcy Jastro and the team have been working on. The whole thing with that is backing into it because they already have a community. So depending on what size you come in on it, if you, you're trying to build something, you need to make sure that people find it useful. You can't just be in a bubble all by yourself. That I think is a very interesting project because they have a community that wants it versus trying to build something and then having to go after a community. So it's super, super important to think about what do you need to replicate? How can you make that simpler? And then how are you going to get partners and developers to take advantage of it? And then how are you going to monetize over the top? And you, you can't be uh, on an island. It just doesn't work. I, I, have, a, I have a less helpful answer. Um, <laughs> you have to be really good at something. Uh, and it, it helps if that something is unique. Uh, but, but what makes you stand out from everybody else? And, you know, 
because we're better at working with partners. Uh, you know, we're 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 great to work with. Th those are those are not real answers. So, what what is it about your uh, your offering that is is truly standout? Um, I'll give you an example. The the way I met Nexus uh, is seeing their work and and through a couple of conversations, coming to the understanding that they had. Um, an understanding of place, of surroundings, with respect to, to XR, long before most companies did, long before anybody was really talking about it. They understood this concept of the six, 10 feet around you are gonna be profoundly important in the XR space. Um, that's, I don't know what to call that, but that's a thing. They stood out because of that. They're unique because of that. What is your thing? What is your, you know, yeah, anyway. I can name it. It's, I'll, I'll give it a word. Insight. Thank you. Thank you. So can I, can I throw out one more why you should be excited? <laughs> um, the, the, the training company that I was talking about just to, uh, on, on the, the um, uh, training first responders, one of the things that they do is they use the two inward-facing cameras uh, to uh, record biofeedback for the, the police officers going through training, or firefighters, or EMTs, or whoever. So what they're actually doing is, is through pupil dilation and, and heart rate, um, they're using biofeedback as a proxy to measure cognitive load and how much your decision-making process is stressed at a particular time, and measuring how long it takes you to make a decision. So if you're a firefighter or a police officer and you come across you know, a situation that, that should take one second for you to make a decision and then move on, and you're taking two seconds, this training helps you get that down. That's amazing. That's incredible. That's, that's like training, real-time training in the moment uh, that's, that's possible because of AR. Um, so you should be excited. Okay, so who's excited now? <laughs> Woo! All right, All right. I, I, please give our panelists a round of applause and thank them. And thank you all for uh, attending the session, first ever.